Hello, a slightly different introduction today. This was a tough conversation, tough for my guest to share her story, and I'll be honest, for me too. Suicide is an uncomfortable topic, and I felt clumsy at times, but if we don't have these conversations, we're never going to get better at them. We'll keep shying away, and that really doesn't help anybody. We all need to get better at talking about suicide. Please, please look after yourself when you listen. Hello and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast in which we share our stories of loss and more importantly the lessons we learn from them that now positively guide and define our lives today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I speak to a different guest. Before we begin this episode I just want to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their stories with me and with you the listener and to acknowledge too the impact that hearing these stories can have on us, so please take good care of yourself whilst listening. Today I'm chatting with Lisa Haddon, who tragically lost her 16-year-old son Jamie to suicide six years ago, a popular and much-respected boy, and in the aftermath of his death a trust fund called Jamie Shand Inspiring Always was set up. Lisa has campaigned tirelessly for awareness and better support for young people and suicide prevention and has put the Trust Fund to fantastic use, supporting both local and national projects. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming and and talking to me today. Obviously, a a massively challenging topic, um, but one that's so necessary, sadly, to, to talk about, to, to raise awareness and, and I think probably to, to make it more OK to talk about so that it's not a taboo subject. Um, I can't begin to imagine how the past six years must have been for, for you and your family. Um, and I'm sure sharing your story on here today will undoubtedly sort of help somebody in some capacity whether that's someone who has whose lives has been touched by suicide or someone who's possibly struggling either themselves or or with someone that they love that they're concerned about so thank you you know thank you in advance of our of our conversation perhaps we can start with Jamie um, maybe saying a little bit about his life his death and the you know the, the dreadful impact that that must have had on you and your family and his friends. Jamie was my third child. I already had a daughter and a son and he was a much needed and wanted third child that came into a loving family with, um, you know, he was one of 10 cousins that all went to the same primary school. Oh gosh. I know. Um, So very well known family in the local area. Yeah, he, so he he sort of grew up in a loving family. I, I did split with his dad when he was five, um, which wasn't my doing. So life was quite a difficult struggle, but Jamie never ever went without. We stayed living in the house and he he carried on. Jamie was a very extremely talented young man. Um, If I said he, we we have a system around here of like an 11 plus to get to grammar school. You know, Jamie sailed through every single test to get to grammar school. He sailed through GCSEs without opening a book. Um, you know straight A student without doing a lot of energy and effort so 
things were not difficult for Jamie. He was extremely um, talented with art and music to the extent that he was writing music with um, a friend of his. He was a drummer. He always used to moan about the school drum kit being a load of rubbish. So obviously that's where one of the first donations that we made from his money that was raised at the funeral. Oh, wow. He um, he would always be drawing and building things. I mean, I can remember once he he created, he spent a whole half term creating a, an octopus out of silicone and things like that. He would, I went out in the garden once and he built a moat. He built a big, dug a big hole in the garden and built a <laughs> moat. And, you know, you name it, he would do it. Um, I mean, probably one of the funniest things I did, I, I mean, I can remember being in, in a, a shop and they had a, a spray can of white paint and I can remember it being reduced to 10p and I thought, oh, school holidays are coming up. That could be quite useful, you know. Um, and obviously I always had to work. So um, and I came home one day and him and his brother had decided to draw a very, very large um, penis symbol over my back lawn. <laughs> And it was so attention to detail. It was hilarious. My neighbours, I don't think, spoke to me for a year. But I actually looked at it and I just laughed and I thought, well, do you know what? That's a boy thing. And, you know, yeah. but he'd, he'd spent hours doing it and it was great. It was it was quite good. So, so that's the sort of character he was. He loved scouting. He loved being out on everywhere. He, he, he just seemed to love and enjoy life. You know, there never seemed to be with Jamie. He wasn't one of these um, lads who you was always really worried about his mental health. He was he was quite insular. Mm. Um, I possibly had a little inkling around the age of when he hit sort of 16. I had a little inkling. Was, was he slightly on a, on a spectrum, an autistic spectrum? Things were manifesting themselves, what he did, but nothing that would have ever stopped him from being leading a normal life but because I work with SEND uh, special education needs you're, you're always a little bit on an alert and there was a couple of things yeah. I thought always oh, this a bit uh, and I've since learned that obviously it's a very common thing that that children that or, or adults that are, are on a spectrum sometimes have because they don't always react to situations correctly sometimes it's a higher there's a higher percentage of people that will take or attempt to take their life they had a huge circle of friends um, very diverse set of friends that were, were were great, you know, and they'd always be in the house. You know, I was always one of these mums that encouraged them in friends into the house, and yeah. there'd always be someone staying. He he then got a girlfriend who was Rosie, his cousin's her best friend, <laughs> and um, he she became very intense with him. That it was a girlfriend. She was sixteen as well, very intense and. Jamie just couldn't I don't think Jamie could really handle that you know it was all a bit much and you can imagine an older brother when sloppy letters and cards come for an older brother would rib him but that was just normal behavior normal behavior there was absolutely no indication or warning to any of us that Jamie was in a dark place because you can you can look at a sort of a bit of a stroppy hormonal teenager and third child and you know all right okay he's got the arm and can't have his way because I won't let him have his playstation tonight or something like that you can look and think that sometimes they're moody yeah you know he had he had a lot of people around him in fact the night before he he took his life 
he was at a party with Rosie and lots of the friends. Um, he had split up with this little girlfriend at the time. And um, and it, it was sort of normal behaviour. My sister picked him up from the party. He didn't want to leave the party. When I said, oh, no, my sister's picking him up. He didn't want to leave, but he did leave. And he had the ump because he'd left. But again, normal teenage behaviour when you've had lots of children and lots of cousins and you've often done the pick-up at midnight from a party when you know you know yeah. they're going to have the other, they want to do whatever you know there was nothing to indicate yeah um and um you know he was a much loved person you know his dad loved him he was loved by all and there was just no reason to think that there was anything wrong you know no, otherwise I'd no. have been on it he would just certainly would have been on an alert I was um I was out on the, the, the following day I was down in Reading and left Jamie he was going off to Antony's to, to play his music and do music which was normal um I've been nagging him a little bit it was Easter holidays he hadn't got a job um you know a little Saturday job my others all sort of had a little job somewhere you know yeah. he could have got a job and um looking back obviously he probably didn't have the confidence or the guts or whatever to do that but again you can confuse that is that a lazy teenager <laughs> of course yes yeah. it's it this is this is the the terrible thing that goes you know every day you look and think what did I miss how did I not see he wasn't right but nobody you know he was still liking scouting and you know he, I had his scout masters at, at the funeral crying their eyes at saying what did we miss you know we're mm. trained to pick up on things you know his school teachers his art teacher his music teacher his history teacher you know they were all like what did we miss you know everyone felt so it's not as though it was well actually you know I hear lots of stories now where you know a child needs help and they're not getting the help they need yeah, in their mental. Yeah. but there, there was just none of that so of course when I actually received a phone call from my other son coming to the house with a friend of his um he sort of went upstairs and um Basically, I got a phone call to say, Mum, you've got to get home. Only I've found Jamie in the loft. Um, I'd been ringing because obviously, you know, like you're a parent, you're out, you've not spoken to him for a couple of hours. So you're ringing, you're right, everything all right. You know, yeah. it's not, it wasn't unusual for Jamie not to answer. And I thought if he's with Anthony in his music studio and, you know, that he won't pick up his phone. But I was getting concerned because I hadn't heard. And then I rung Frankie, my other son, and then I rung the house phone. At the time, my daughter was in Starlight Express in Germany. She's theatre world, so she was not here, you know, but the boys at sort of 16 and a half and 19 were, were yes, fine in the house. Um, so, um, and I said, what do you mean? You know, and, and it was it was an absolute, what do you mean? And, and, and he said, Mum, I found Jamie in the loft. And I, I collapsed on the floor I didn't believe him, but a neighbour down the road had come past. What had actually happened was they'd found him and Frankie had tried to, or had cut him down. And his friend who he was with had rung 999 and gone out the front. I think they were sort of horrified with what they were dealing with. And just so happened a really good neighbour walked past and Emma come on the phone to me. And I said, Emma, you know, this isn't, she said, no, Lisa, it's, true and I still you know I couldn't comprehend and um so 
obviously just jumped in the car and, and we was in Reading. So we, we, we lit, I, I don't know how my partner got home without speeding tickets or I don't yeah. know. Mm. And then the most bizarre thing was that my daughter had been in Germany since February. It was her best friend's 21st birthday and she wasn't here to celebrate. And in between this journey on the way home, I mean, you could look back and see how things affect people very differently. But she sort of, she she rung and I couldn't really pick up the phone. But she always used to FaceTime, you know, and um, and my partner Mick was saying to me, you, you've got to answer because if you don't, she's going to think something's wrong because you always answer to, to her when you do. So she was, um, she was FaceTiming me completely upset saying I can't believe it I've asked Frankie to take Poppy's necklace round I bought her for her 21st birthday I can't be there you know and there's all this you know and there's me thinking I I can't even begin to imagine so she said that I I, I talked back to her quite normally and as I put the phone down I've sort of collapsed again in the car of the chair and the enormity of the situation I think hit me then thinking oh my god Normal life is carrying on Poppy's per- birthday tonight. A present hasn't got there because obviously Frankie was, he promised her he'd drop it mm. round to a, you know, and snowballing, silly little things. And um, I then rung my sister who had got here. My sister had, was here. I rung her and I said, what am I coming into? What, what, what's that? I don't, I can't believe what's happened. And and she said to me, Lisa, your, your house is a crime scene and no one's allowed in. We've all been we're all outside, there's ambulance here, there's police, um, he's gone. And I said, what do you mean? You know, I couldn't, still couldn't comprehend what happened. I then had a phone call with um, uh, their dad, um, who was down in, he was down in Bath. And I said, look, I, like my other son had rung him and, and, and that one just said, look, whatever we do, we can't tell Christina on the phone what what's happened she's in Germany you know we can't and and, and whatever's happened we've got to find a way so he then left Bath to come here um we got home I I walked in and just collapsed into the arms of my son and I still didn't believe it you know and I don't know police were here it it was it was madness and Mm -hmm. the police were very matter of fact you know, it was almost as though, well, he talked about suicide on his phone, so why did you not know that? Well, we'd only talked about suicide in the last sort of couple of hours leading up to his death with this little girlfriend that he'd split up with. There was a big dialogue there, two 16-year-olds having conversations that she didn't take seriously, and had she have taken seriously, he may have been here today. How do we... Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah. Um, we don't know. No one knows. and something I've learned. Nobody knows what goes through someone's head mind body but I do have a a very close friend of mine who many years ago had an attempt at her own life and she she gave me an absolute amazing analogy a couple of days later when you're in this you haven't got a clue what's going on in your your world and she said to me Lisa if you'd have had a brain attack a heart attack how would you have felt and I just said, well, devastated her. She said, but you'd have understood that, wouldn't you? So I said, well, yeah, because people's hearts give up on them. She said, well, he's had a brain attack. On that day, that afternoon, at that moment, at that time, his brain had an attack and that was the only way he could deal with what was going on. 
and that was that's really really stuck with me because that's clearly you know she's somebody who's been through it yeah and out the other side and I don't think it ever leaves you but she could really help me to understand obviously she did it in a very different way because Jamie being Jamie was always very daredevil very adventurous and we then looked at his phone and realized he managed to google the quickest most effective way he was a daredevil you know you saw him on the trampoline in the garden you know he was one then you know whether you went he climbed the tree and got to the top no time mm-hmm. at all you think oh my god come down you know that was Jamie the house then became a bit of a circus but I think the very very hardest thing I had to do was I had to watch them bring my son down from upstairs in a body bag. They wouldn't let me see him, would not yeah. refuse to let me see him, but they had to bring me and I watched him go out and go into the back of the coroner's van. Yeah, so how do you do? You don't deal with anything. I can vaguely remember things going on around me in those days as to what, how we, we, we dealt with things. Going back to identifying Jamie, um, actually... It was a very, very special moment because my dad and my sister and her husband um, came with me. It was a little bit of relief that I'd actually seen him because I hadn't seen him. Yeah. And you don't believe, you don't believe it. You don't believe mm. it. It's not happened. But it was very difficult. And I had a, an amazing lady there, a coroner, who was, who was very, very, very supportive, very amazing. And I had 20 minutes with him in the hospital. Um can't go back to the hospital. My dad's just been in the hospital, couldn't go and see him or anything. No. I just can't go in again. But this is what it does to you. It does all sorts of really weird, strange things. And you have to learn how to cope, which is, you know, I'm here six and a half years later. Somehow you do manage to put one foot in front of the other. Yes. You do manage to get pleasure out of life. Um I'm not sure if I didn't have such a supportive family and partner who is very, very supportive and my other two children, I'm not sure I would be here. I'd be Mm -hmm. with Jamie because there's no rhyme or reason that your child would do that to themselves. Had he have been being bullied or had he have had some disability or illness or you know, not acceptable in society, had there been something going on that he didn't feel he had things to live for, but he was, you know, as I say, clever, talented, you name it, you gave it to Jamie, he could do it, Rubik's Cube, oh my God, I mean, we did put flowers down his grave, but we actually chucked a load of Rubik's Cubes down there with him, because actually, yeah, keep him busy, yeah, (laughs) because he could, you know, you gave him a Rubik's Cube, you know, nowadays, it's quite funny, people will still sort of give me a ring and say little things oh blimey I passed a shop the other day saw a Rubik's Cube in the window thought Jamie you know because he was that sort of he had that sort of brain and that sort of and he liked to challenge there is no peace with with this sort of death there is no peace um because you are forever thinking what did I miss what could I have done as a mum you know we understand people get ill people get sick there are road traffic accidents unfortunately but you don't ever think that your child, uh, you know, the guilt, I must have been a terrible mum, his brother mm. and sister felt they must have been terrible brothers and sisters and the cousins because actually why did he want to leave us? Yes. And that is, 
that's very different from a, a child who dies of a terrible illness or, or, or a terrible accident. I'm not saying that's any. And that's. I suppose it's having those unanswered questions. Yeah. And, 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 and the guilt and the fact there was no control. You know, I, I didn't have a chance to sort of make him better. Yeah. So many sort of suicide survivors now often say it was just that moment at that time that. I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live. The pain was too much. So, um, so yeah, so somehow we've had to build a life. We've had to look at how we move forward, how, you know, how we do things to, to make life better. One of his cousins works in, uh, works for Cancer Research right now, and she said straight away, look, you know, people are going to want to ask you what, flowers you want at a funeral she said what flowers do you want at a funeral I said I don't want flowers flower he did laugh you know <laughs> I mean obviously he did have flowers at his funeral but he had keyboards and music notes and Rubik's cubes and yeah you know yeah. things that would not be normal traditional flowers and so um so that's when we she set up really uh, you know she was or came up with Jamie Spant Shand inspiring always because he would always inspire us he would always do something we'd always want to copy it or be like him you know he was that sort of person so yeah. from that trust you've been able to I, I was reading through all the information that you gave me I yeah. mean lots of yeah. sort of individuals small projects that you help like providing sort of music yeah. equipment and the was it a studio at, at one of the schools he was at yeah primary school there was money that went for a um like a, a music shoot because obviously you know quite often people can express themselves if they've got you know difficult with mental health yes. health music is a good way for them to bring it out yeah we sort of we we, we did this at, at the funeral and then come all this money and then I, I i've never ever sort of hidden how jamie died and purely because you know, people have got to be very aware that it is that split second decision, and that, um, and then people were very quick to say, oh, "Oh, let me, let me, let me give you some money, or let me do whatever, or we're having a fundraising. I'd like to fundraise for Jamie's fund and what have you." So before we knew where we were, there was things coming in, um, sort of money-wise, if you like, and it was then going sort of almost straight out. So we then decided to do um we'd never heard of young minds beforehand never heard of it as a, as a charity because hadn't needed to sort of thing, no. thank god up till then um so we decided jamie when he was in school he ran from birmingham to london on a tag relay team thing down the grand union canal so a couple of months after he died we decided well let's do something positive let's let's all walk up to Birmingham up the Grand Union Canal like you know you sit round and the whole family were completely devastated and what could anyone do we all felt completely helpless you know and I think they all felt helpless for me and my children because we were the ones that were struggling the most they'd lost a cousin they'd lost a nephew they'd lost a grandson but they weren't living in the house with us you know no it's it's very difficult when you lose someone who lives in your house with you than if you lose someone who doesn't live with you whatever age I think they are so yeah so we decided come on what can we do for Jamie and so we decided to walk from Little Venice up the Grand Union Canal it took us five days I was support vehicle I had quite a big car so I said I'll be support vehicle so I was going from one bridge to the next and organizing yeah. all the 
hotels and everything. It was a big, big thing to organise. Yeah, huge. It meant I could throw myself into something completely different. Never done anything like that before. Before we knew whether we had a crowd of people doing it and some people joined us for one day. Some people did the whole lot. The last one into Birmingham, we had quite a crowd walking into Birmingham. So, um, and we raised well over about £22,000 for Young wow. Minds. That was really excellent that, that we did that. And, it, you know, we did a lot of marketing, if you like. There was a lot of stuff going up on your social medias and people sort of wanted to do it. And we were raising awareness more than money, you know, that yes. what yeah. we're doing. But that, for me, was really hard because I was walking up the pathway that he had run the other way. But obviously I could sit there and feel him. Yeah. So, um, so that was something that was really, really positive that we could take from and 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 have got very good memories of I think we've still got a few blisters left over from it (laughs) (laughs) but you went on and did a cycle ride as well around five countries seven countries seven countries in seven days so a couple of years later but some of the money we raised for Jamie's from Jamie's Jamie Shen inspiring always like there was lots of different things we did we could put the money in to sponsor the events to then raise more. Right. But the big events that we've done, we've raised money mainly for young minds because then people can gift aid. Um, yes, Jamie's yeah. is a trust fund. We did look at one stage to set it up as a charity, but oh my God, you can't believe the hoops you have to jump through. And how much energy would I have to keep doing this? You know, this was something I had to do at the time. You know, we raised lots of money. Yeah, so the seven countries in seven days was um, an amazing, it took us sort of nine months of planning because it was, and all the bikes or the you know we had to we had to learn how to do bikes we had to learn how to do massaging we had to learn how to do all sorts there was me and my friend who was what we call the mothership so we hired a big van with it all in so we could put all the bikes in vans if we wanted to so we went up to Scotland started in Scotland went across on the ferry to the Netherlands from um, Newcastle and then we did sort of Belgium France Luxembourg Germany Holland Wow. England, Scotland, yeah. So they were the seven countries. Yeah. So we did over about seven thousand at uh, seven hundred over seven hundred miles in seven days in all those different countries. But we had to really plan the route really, really well. And again, an amazing feat. Guys gave up their time. You know, they they ended up with all sorts of injuries. But what an achievement! And I think there was over twenty five thousand pound raised for young minds out of that alone. But it's the awareness that actually young people, yeah. young people's mental health really is is quite scary because obviously clearly Jamie did have a something not quite right, but he didn't know perhaps how to talk about it. That day, that that leading up to that day, he couldn't turn around to anybody and say, "Do you know what? I don't think my brain's working properly. Oh, I feel really like I want to do that, you know, mm. and, and, uh, and is it wrong?" So it, it's it's bringing those conversations to the table, and I think it was certainly a friend of mine who gave us some money to to put towards doing the cycle right because with all these things cost money you know you've got 11 people 12 people in a hotel yes, rooms overnight yeah. and you've got to invest to get back and she gave me a couple of thousand pounds and she said um she'd had a conversation with her son and the conversation was very different knowing Jamie's story than it may have been if she didn't know Jamie's story because it may well have been something like well pull your socks up and get on with it as opposed to talk to me more about it then let, let's have a yeah. conversation um, I suppose it's and, education on both levels isn't it it's education for yeah. for the young people to know that actually they 
how to go about having that conversation, but it's also an education for the parents or, you know, sort of professionals who are dealing regularly with young people on then how to spot any warning signs and then how to have that conversation with the young person. I think it's been great. I said, you know, there's been quite a lot of, of the youngsters doing coffee mornings or, you know, cheese and wine party, you know, and they, they've raised 150 quid for Jamie's fund, you know, and, and, but it's them doing it and talking about it and me turning up and having a little chat with them about it. That's meant more than the money that's been raised. People running the marathon for him and things like that, you know, and, and I can then post that and talk about, you know, people do things um, and it's more sort of talking, having those conversations. And obviously we've done a, a lot of work with Oxleys for their suicide strategy. One of the biggest projects I set up was the SAFE project, which is the Suicide Awareness for Everyone project, which I found out that had gone on in school down in Kent. So I put money into Jamie's school um, to set that up. So that's a team of professionals coming in and having ambassadors in the school and getting that set up. So that worked really, really well. Um, I think £3,000 of Jamie's money went to Imago and, and they're really a growing charity now that very much help very underprivileged children and young people. We then did a skydive, his 18th birthday. We decided that obviously things like birthdays and anniversaries, we needed to celebrate the life he did have and do yeah. something special that we could make memories with. And on his 18th birthday, um, there was about 20 odd people that all jumped out of plane skydiving. Wow, and that you was did as well. Day. I didn't know. I've got oh. really dodgy knees. Oh. <laughs> um, I've got really dodgy knees and I couldn't, I, I don't even like flying. I'm a bit of a two firm feet, feet firmly on the ground person. But um, but my, both my children did it um, and lots of his, quite a few of his school friends, um, you know, who all still stay in touch and all still, you know, I often see some of them over at the grave, um, somewhere they can go and have a thought process because you never know. And there's, there's often an open door, you know, a lot of his friends have contacted me in the past and just wanted to chat and how you doing and things like that. So, yeah, so the skydive was a really positive day and it was a beautiful day. The sun did not stop shining and the blue sky, unlike his funeral where it absolutely poured heaven's heart. So it's always been a bit of a joke, you know, tears from heaven. But no, that day was a good day. Jamie also loved animals and there's a really brilliant organisation around here called Animal Days Out, which is sort of helps kids with therapy through animals. He gave quite a lot of his money to that as an organisation. I purposely asked them to ring fence it for parents that couldn't afford the help because it's the kids sometimes get the help. But often it's if you've got a child, I've learned since that's suffering really with their mental health. You as a parent, who's helping you? You know, yeah. I didn't have that chance. And I often wonder how I would have been if I had known he was feeling that way, how I would have reacted. But parents often need the help to know how they can react as well. Of course, yes. Papyrus, um, obviously another charity we've never heard of from the Hope Line, but we also put some of Jamie's money to run the ASSIST course, which is the Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training. So there was about... 20 local professional people some of which were from his school and organizations to come and learn about that so that was a real good use mm. of money that yes. you know you tend to feel that again these were we, these were all professionals that 
were keen to make a difference for those kids that perhaps are struggling that they know about. The money that's raised through his trust is really just the vehicle for you to be able to then go out and and have those conversations or provide that training and and provide that education and awareness. And we've helped lots of individual people, you know, I've had sort of, I mean, obviously people that come to me that, you know, they just haven't got the money for that initial assessment when they know their child is desperate for that professional immediate intervention to get them on a pathway of help. People have come to me where their children need some, some counselling because it is expensive and the services are not there. You know, young minds, I think, are brilliant. I think they're really doing a lot of grassroots level to help a very close friend of mine who retired just before Jamie passed she decided she always said she wanted to do something voluntary you know she said oh, I'm going to retire but I need to do something voluntary she still helps out on the parent helpline and young minds and that that was a direction she went in she said oh if I can help one other family in, in one other way then my volunteer work you know will be good so lots of people doing lots of things over the years um, Gosh, it sounds like the whole sort of community, community came together. I think what happened was, I think because I was always happy to talk to people and be out there about it, people were happy to approach me um, and ask me to do things. So I think in a way that's helped me, certainly all the work we did with Oxley's on their suicide prevention strategy, because there was nothing about helping people. It was, it was just a, a mishmash of, you know, to me... I dealt with the worst possible thing that I think a parent can be faced Mm. with, but I had no medical or professional help offered me immediately. Well, since we've now got the um, Help at Hand book, there is a Help at Hand book that Compassionate Friends, I mean, they're an exceptionally fantastic organisation, Compassionate Friends, but Help at Hand when you lose child by suicide, you know, the people that you need what you need to do you know because you've got to go through an inquest you've got to go Mm. through you know you've got to bury your son and and of course you don't know any of this stuff if you why would you why would you even down to sort of financial help when you're at your lowest possible ebb and you've got a funeral director ringing you saying um we can't dig a grave because you've got to pay me two and a half thousand pounds you know it's wrong yes yeah we've done these things we worked a lot with Oxley's to try and make things different for anybody mm. else that would be going through what we had to go through but one of my biggest things that's helped me again I think this is the support mechanism that only somebody who's been through what you've been through can really understand somebody put me in touch with a lady who had lost her son in the same way four months previously. Someone put us in touch and we arranged to meet in a pub in, I think this was July, Jamie died in April, this was July. And, you know, you're very concerned or whatever, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What's going to happen? And we met at seven in this pub garden and at our past 11, we were still sitting there chatting. We connected immediately. Yes. You know, even down to both our, I know it sounds really stupid, but, we needed to know every detail. Both our sons had black boxer shorts on, you know, when they did it. And so the only thing is I I literally could associate that this woman could understand Mm. 
where I was at, what I was going through, you know, and how did she, 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 she was a few months on for me and, you know, she was up and she was dressed and she was functioning and, you know, that gave me inspiration, if you like, to yeah, think, well, actually, yeah. I can do that. And then very quickly, I'm really, really, really unfortunately hooked up with another mum who son had done the same three months before Jamie and then there was another lady locally whose son did it in the December after there was four of them within a year all youngsters all in the same area and to this day I mean I'm very very close to one of them's moved away a bit but um very very close to two people we used to get together every Monday night and then we worked with Samaritans because with our other siblings cousins we set up a something called MySpace with Samaritans and it was where the youngsters and the family members and friends could go and talk about their feelings because mm. there was nothing they all became really close friends they still have conversations now sort of thing and that was really really I think really beneficial meeting up with those ladies most Mondays for quite a long time we still see each other we've had weekends away we've We've been there to support each other, but this, yeah. those are the only people that really understand. I play golf. Um, I didn't play golf for, for a good few years afterwards. My knees suddenly stopped working. Well, why does blood stop suddenly flowing through to your knee? And when I said to my consultant, you know, could it be that I lost my son tragically? You know, oh, no, 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 no. I know for well it was my body reacting. Why did blood stop going through to my knees and my knees die off? And I think there's things that you you don't realize what it does to your body perhaps until afterwards I mean I'm a a huge believer in trauma affects us physically emotionally spiritually mentally you know they are all my belief anyway is that they are all hugely hugely connected it was almost life telling me I, I I couldn't put one foot in front of the other you know the knees had I had to stop and I had to deal with what I had to deal with and um, I mean we recently had on Sunday it was my youngest nephew he reached 18 and my sister was having a do and tough you don't ever 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 get over it but you do learn to live with Mm -hmm. and it's the support of people around you that help you through people I think as well as time goes on people think oh yeah that mask is on and you're coping all right and you're getting up and you're going to work and you know you've had your hair done and you're out having a meal and you're you're doing whatever and and I am I am doing all of that but there's always this mask on you that you think you've really got to make the effort Mm. and that's where having the contact with the other mums who have been through the same thing yeah that's I guess is when you can actually be be yeah. yourself without that that mask on. We can on. talk about finding a pair of pants in the back of a drawer six years later and actually yeah, yeah. an eye on child. <laughs> and I know that might sound bizarre, but somebody else who's lost a child would probably realise oh, that that yeah, they are yeah. the things that you do. Talking to other mums that are doing the same would stay exactly the same. You know, we can't. And every time you go on holiday or you go away somewhere different and it's lovely, you almost want to find something 
that would remind you of him to take back because you've got to go home and he's not there. Yes. Even now, people don't get it now because they don't, but you think, oh, yeah, it's a weekend away. That's nice. You're know, going out and after York above, whatever. But you have to come home to that house where he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So each time a, another, I don't know, sort of jolt of grief or a painful yeah. reminder. Yeah. But I think if you've got a really good support network, you can text someone and say, oh, that's happened again or that's triggered again. Or, yes. But people, other people that haven't walked in the pathway with you, and not that you want many other people to, you, you don't. You, you, I hate it when you hear of things happening. But only they would understand when, you know, I can't do this anymore or... There's certain songs, you know, that I can't, I rarely listen to music now because I can't, because there's tr- too many triggers. Mm. But I think that's probably the same for lots of people, yeah. So, yes. yeah, so we've, we've done yeah. lots of good. We've raised lots of awareness. Um, we've helped lots of organisations. We've g- given uh, stuff Helped a whole load of individuals as well, I yes. would imagine. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and there's there's people, you know, my daughter's in theatre world and I think that's naturally quite a difficult place to be, theatre world, because that's often, you know, people suffer with mental health um, in there because it is so difficult. One of the biggest breakthroughs uh, Alice Hendy, who's oh, who lost her brother in the way. The app Ripple. you were saying about, yes. Yeah. Ripple, so that, you know, people, um, if they do do a search, like my son who sat there searching what was the best, I mean, I couldn't believe it myself that it was so easy to find the best, most effective, easiest, simplest, quickest way. Mm. At press, you know, button, button, button. So this now is a tool that lots of um, people can have on their devices. Lots of schools can have it on their network. So it's an alert tool, you know, and had Jamie may have seen that something had come up and said, well, look, if you're feeling like this, you can do this or go here or text this number or ring this person or whatever, rather than bringing up graphic diagrams of the best way to to do something. Then, um, you know, I I can't believe these people put this material out on the website because... I'm not saying that anyone who really wants to do it, I believe, you know, will do it. But because it's the ease with which that information is available is yes, yeah. is the critical point. The organisation that's helped um, is um, something called Centrepieces, which is a local local charity here that deal with art with people that are uh, uh, struggling a little bit with their mental okay. health and um, I've given quite a lot of money to them but they also allowed me to have a art exhibition of all Jamie's artwork oh lovely and that was really really good for me I mean it wasn't every piece of his artwork we took lots and they they, they put them in nice frames for me and what have you but obviously and through that that was in a local gallery to hear and through that people would go and read his story and understand yeah. And, and when when the guy came here to look at all his work, which is obviously extremely precious to me, I mean, my God, I don't let many people look at it, as you can imagine. And he looked at it and he said, can you see now there was a troubled mind in there? And when he pointed things out to me, I could see that. And he said, often people pull things out through their artwork, he said, and had, you know, I just thought he was drawing a picture of this or doing a picture of that. Yeah. You know, I didn't, didn't think that deeply. 
he said, no, it's because this guy struggles himself. And he said, no, he said, that's, he said, that's brilliant. He said, this is where, you know, people should be trained now, art teachers and things like that should be trained. Well, is this something we need to pick up on? But then his art teacher was one of the teachers that was like, why did I not see something? You know, my yes. God, what on earth? Because yeah. Jamie used to spend a lot of time in the art room with me, lunch times and after school and everything. He said, she said, but but nobody, he didn't tell anybody. So, but maybe, you know, with the education we've got now and we keep pushing for people like young minds to get into school to say, you know, it's okay to talk about your mental health. You know, like we might talk yeah. about you've got a sore finger or whatever. Talk about your, your brain doesn't work today. That's the message that yeah. we've really sort of, you know, nothing will bring Jamie back. Nothing will stop. I mean, I think I lost a bit of energy at the beginning of the lockdown to carry on doing stuff, and I haven't picked up much since, but I think we've all had a difficult sort of 20-odd yeah. months. But um, I think when you're still hearing that young people are taking their own lives, it makes you stop and think, well, it's not getting through. Everything we're doing is, is not helping but actually, what we can't measure is those that do have conversations with people now. Yeah, exactly. And you can't measure it now. You no. can't measure the parents that say to me, do you know what? I really, there's not many days go by where I think, how lucky am I? Because, you know, I can have those conversations now with my children because Jamie's name can come up. Yeah. We can talk about Jamie, you know, and it's not, are you feeling suicidal? It's, are you feeling like Jamie did? And that yeah. makes it softer yeah so we can't measure how many aren't but we do know that you know I mean it's absolute the, the figures at the moment of kids with mental health issues mm. are phenomenal and it's really sad really yeah. sad and of course the last 20 months has just made that sort of snowball exponentially more because of all those the challenges that the young people have been up against during that time so all the awareness that you're that you're doing is so much so so needed now more than ever biggest help was the most amazing lady who someone said to me do you believe in mediums do you believe in you know life after death or whatever I said I don't know I've never had any reason to have to talk to anyone beyond the grave sort of thing my sister and I walked in with this little old lady in a room miles away from where we live, you know, so everything that had been on the front of papers and everything about Jamie and that, you know, would, she wouldn't really have known. And within 10 minutes, she described what he looked like, how he did it, names. She told me more with what went on the night before he died than the police could ever tell me. Mm. It was the names, the people, the places, and I know where he is. He Does that didn't bring want to do comfort? It. Oh, tremendously. I mean, mm. I've seen this woman sort of five, six times. Um, I feel as though I have an hour with my son because yeah. she got she catches his personality. She, you know, people will poo her it, and I, and I. She told me about he got frustrated with a courtroom because they got his height wrong. She told me that. Now, nobody had been in that inquest room apart from me, but the inquest got his height wrong. And that, that stayed within that inquest room. And, and it was, it, I nearly fell off my chair 
when she told me that he was laughing because yeah, the police yeah. couldn't even get his sight right. So, you know, and there was things like, you know, she she would not have known. She could not have known. And when she told me things, what he'd seen the witness the night before he died, and when I questioned, and that was the truth, and that hadn't come out with, with the police, um, I'm not saying that was the reason why he did it, because he obviously, you know, there is no reason why someone does it. But um, but it was lovely for me because she she has his personality to yeah. a T. She describes him. She talks about his dimples and she talks about, you know, and she's not seen pictures of him. And there was one day when I, I he's, my phone had broken because I was travelling over to where she lives. I put my SIM card in his phone and she was absolutely adamant. She said, what have you got of Jamie's? What have you got of Jamie's? And she kept, you know, doing her hand. She said, you've got something for Jamie's. What is it you've got? And, and I just kept saying, no, I haven't got anything, Jamie's. No, I haven't got anything. And she was at, this was about the third time I've seen her. She said, no, you have, yeah. She said, he's showing me this up to his ear. Have you got his phone in your bag? Wow. And, and you know, and, and he had a... Tr- a rose bush planted at the school his colour was burgundy and he had a rose bush planted at the school and she kept laughing about this rose bush being yellow there was a rose bush that was yellow rose and I just went no 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 so you sort of poo-hoo things but when I went into his primary school because obviously we still had association with his primary school and the primary school had planted this plant because the laid the, the head teacher her dad cultivated roses I said, oh, I did laugh because I went to a meeting and they kept going on and on about yellow roses. Well, her face dropped because apparently her dad thought he'd given us a burgundy rose. But in fact, when it glowed, it was yellow. Oh, really? So again, could be total coincidence, total, total coincidence. There's loads of stuff that you could, yeah, you could argue what she done but this woman has only 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 ever had my first name and my mobile number she's never even had a surname out of me but it's whether people believe it or not but yeah. it gave but me a lot of comfort because she's told me where he is she told me he regretted it the minute he did it she told me I mean she described the scene she described the scene mm. it was amazing really and and over the years of seeing her acceptance has come from him of what he's done so actually that's helped me yeah I I get it that people would think that's a load of old baloney and don't believe in it or whatever but for me that was a big thing that helped me through the very early days because I knew that one day I would be reunited with him and I can just see you know looking at your face how much comfort that brings you When when you were talking about that, your face just, it it lights up. It certainly does, because I think, you know, it's, it's life is a funny old thing, isn't it? You know, we don't really know what's around the corner. And I often say to people, well, you never really know. So make the most of everything because Mm -hmm. I've only ever got memories now. I I can't make new memories. I can't make new memories. I've only got those memories that that I've got. So, you know, anything cling on to stuff and, you know, make the most of and, you know it's a lovely day don't worry about bloody housework take the kids down the park or you know it doesn't matter if they make a mess all over the walls do you know what they paint (laughs) it's um yeah it's it's a funny old world really that you just don't know what's around the corner but I do believe I will be reunited with him one day and until then you've got the support of your family your friends 
the community around you. You have, but there's still days when you feel completely alone and isolated. Mm. And there's days when you just can't, can't do life today. Yeah. Which I think anybody who's had a huge loss would, would understand, regardless of who you've lost and in what circumstances there are, there's always going to be those days when you just want to shout at the world. So on those days, have you learned to be kind to yourself, knowledge that? I think I've learned that I don't have to put on an act, that it's okay for me to say to someone, do you know what, today's not a good day. Mm. Or actually, I found it really, really hard and I might not be able to do that. You know, I think for me now, I don't really care who I upset anymore. I don't really care. I've had the worst possible thing happen to me in the whole wide world. And I don't really care if, you know, I don't, you know, when people talk about, oh, I don't know, Boris Johnson, this and this, that and all that, it all just, a lot of it goes over here. Yeah. But do you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or people that get really wound up because, you know, their washing machine's broken, you know, and it's like the end of the world, you know, and I think I've had the end of the world. Yeah. And it wasn't a washing machine. And it wasn't a washing machine. No. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I think... Yeah, people people are the source of spirit that can help you. Um, but equally, sometimes nobody, nobody mm. knows what to say, how to say, you know, and I'm still supporting two, two other children. Life's not been easy for them by any stretch no, of imagination. Of Both of them have had their own struggles. Mm. Both of them still to this day have, you know, we, you know, we all had to get through an 18th birthday party on Sunday. Yeah, it was great. It was nice. It was lovely to be there. But it's tough, you know, and, and you think the world is going on without them. And that's where it's tough. But that's anyone with any loss, isn't it? Yes. That's that's not unique to me and Jamie, but no parent expects to bury their child. No parent expects that when you do a pumpkin carve, you take it up to the grave. The grave, no, you know, no. No one expects that you're forever looking for really good Christmas decorations to decorate a grave with. That's 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 the reality. That's mm. the new life that you have to lead, or I choose to lead. I know some people that lose people don't do anything with graves or somewhere to go, but I've always maintained it's a place for lots of us to go yes. to to reflect and the fact is you know it's somewhere to go we've all got a life to lead as well and just because he's not here side by side with us it doesn't mean to say we, we almost do things because of yeah instead yeah. of oh thank you so much for sharing all that with me yeah, Lisa, it's, it's yeah, yeah, I can I can see it's been tough. I'm really, yeah. really appreciate. I mean, just all the, you know, everything that you've you've done since to to raise awareness. And as you say, you you won't ever really know the sort of the, the wider impact of of potentially how many people's lives have been saved or conversations that have that have had. But it's got to be multiple multiple i'm sure thank you so much 
My heart goes out to Lisa and to every parent who has lost a child to suicide. I'm so grateful for Lisa's courage and strength in speaking out and sharing hers and Jamie's stories. As Lisa said, there is still so much that needs to be done in raising awareness. So whether you have been impacted by suicide personally yourself or not, I urge you to check out the link provided in the show notes. We all need to be suicide aware. Thank you to everyone who supports me in the production of this podcast, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and finally to you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another lesson from Lance.